0: Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Welcome. This episode is titled Margot's Solo Canoe Voyage Down the Pacific Coast for Ocean Health. Margo Pellegrino is paddling an outrigger canoe to bring attention to the urgent need for ocean conservation and to address ocean health issues. She's paddling from Seattle, Washington along the Pacific coast to San Diego, California. She has to pull out every night and then put back in again in the morning. And because Margo is somewhere right now, I hope off the Pacific coast, um, somewhere off of Northern California, and she's out of cell range. We're going to be talk, I'll be talking today with her land crew director, June Bernard. Hello, June.
2: Hi, Rob. How are you?
1: Good. Now, Margo's out of range. How did you manage to reach us by telephone, and where are you?
2: <laughs> I am on a windy little road halfway between, between Petrolia and Honeydew in what's called the Lost Coast. It's probably oh. the most remote stretch of this entire in- journey. <laughs> and Margo is rounding Punta Gorda as we speak, which is just south of Cape Mendocino. Both of these points are like the gnarliest of the whole California coastline.
1: Well, we picked a good day to talk to you.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, it couldn't have been the more, most challenging. It couldn't be more challenging for us to actually connect with you. I had to drive uh, almost 45 minutes just to find cell service. And park next to this little brook and a bunch of blackberry bushes and and oh, nice. hope that the, that the service stays there
1: <laughs> well, what if Margo needs you? Can she reach you?
2: Well, I have a sat phone, an a t t cell phone, a verizon cell phone, which is the one that's working right now, and a two way radio and vhf so we've got and and I have broadband for my laptop, so I can see where she is and uh, if she has an emergency, there are, she can either call with her Verizon cell phone, which has pretty really good service out on the ocean, um, but probably not right now at the moment, or she can hit her spot tracker, which will send out a signal to me and to her oh, husband, Carl, saying, help, I need a bail point. But at this point, I'm so far inland. If anything serious happens, she hits uh, the button for the Coast Guard.
1: So. Right, right. work. We have many, so many ways to figure out
2: how to make sure she's all
1: right. Yeah. So tell us about launching this morning.
2: It was spectacular. It's actually one of the most beautiful places we've camped. It's right at the mouth of the Matoll River, which is the start of the Lost Coast. A lot of people do this, this beautiful hike along this stretch of coastline. Um, but there was a rainbow. There's a nice fog bank that held out off the coast, which is a mixed blessing. When the fog is in on the coast, the winds are kept down, and she doesn't have to go through the wind waves as much. Uh, the good news is, you know, the wind these days is coming from the north-northwest, and we had a slight wind this morning, a little more than usual, but there was there was a beautiful rainbow, just, just the two ends of it, out on this fog bank as the sun's coming up over these ridges over the King Range, which is behind us. It's a beautiful background. Wow. Um, and the beach itself is pretty steep, but it was a really mushy, mushy wave that was coming in. So it was a really easy launch. It was hard to see her go, though, because that means we have to go so all the way out and around, and then drive all the way back into Shelter Cove, and that just means I'm really far from her, and I can't
1: get to her, and that always makes me a little nervous. <laughs> yes. Tell us about her craft. What's what she, what she paddling in? What are you launching?
2: Oh, she's paddling this gorgeous composite carbon fiber, 21-foot outrigger. The thing weighs less than 25 pounds with the Yakos and the AMA attached. And then she Incredible. just has a few electronics and a little bit of, you know, survival gear and a sandwich and some water, and that's it. So it's really light. It's a fast-moving boat. It's a, it's a racing boat by design, and she's turning it into a touring boat.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I looked at, you know, you have a website, um, wwwseattlenumber 2 sandiegocom and I see there that um, she is uh, tending to uh, dress a lot in warm clothes. Um, yes. it's been kind of nippy out there, I guess.
2: It sure is. You know, the Pacific is a little different from the other paddles she's done, and the water is, the water temperature is mighty cold. Along the co- Oregon coastline, it dropped down to 46, 48 for, for the better part of it. Now it's in the low 50s, about 52, 53, somewhere in there. So it's cold. And that wind coming from the north blowing across that cold water definitely keeps, keeps things a little cold. Even I mean, she's, she's sweating all day. She does get a little toasty warm. She's in a 4-3 wetsuit, but... Um, but without it, yeah, it would it would be an uncomfortable paddle, which mostly launching and landing is the biggest challenge.
1: Um, well, I, I which, saw which, on the which, blog that tired. she wrote that yeah. she had to wear a thick wool sweater and a down jacket just to get going.
2: <laughs> it's a little colder here on the West Coast. Everyone else inland is sweltering and and we have, you know, we've had one heat wave, and that was way up in Cape Flattery. We had a 90 degree day coming around into the Pacific on, on Tohobuck Beach in uh, the Macaw Nation. But other than that, we've been in down coats and, and wool hats and sweaters the whole way. It's been really, really cool. We've run into and a ton of people in their RVs coming to the coast to escape the heat. They just can't wait to put their coats on. They've been so <laughs> hot in England. <the> <laughs>
1: Now June you said that there was some difficulty in launching? Or is uh, it just that it's hard to roll the clothes challenges. on or?
2: You know the, the beach launches are really challenging. Oh well, actually it, it, each morning is different. Um Oregon you going out the river mouths, each of those bars, the Coast Guard restricts them when you know that when there's a swell that they think is too too much for certain length boats to handle. So each morning we check whether or not we're at, you know in a river and She's going to launch out of a mouth, or if it's a beach landing at the tide. We we live and die by the tides and the forecasts and and the Coast Guard restrictions. So wow. each morning we, we we definitely have to uh, suss things out and scope things out before we before we can actually uh, launch. And this morning was was beautiful. Granted, we're you know a month more than a month into this trip, and we've learned a lot about our skills and what we're comfortable doing, and we're a lot more comfortable than we were in the beginning. I mean, you just have to take it as it comes. The Pacific is a completely different beast. There's there's been some really challenging beach launches. If I ever see that boat do a cartwheel again, that'll be too soon.
1: You saw the (laughs) boat do a cartwheel? Yes.
2: We were trying to do a beach launch in Oregon, just south of Newport. We got stuck there for a week. The swells and the wind were just too much, and uh, she got caught in a rip. Some of her gear, she hoolied, which means she flipped over. She managed to get back on her boat. Some of her gear got caught uh, in the current and was holding her back, so she got cut. She was getting sucked down the beach in a rip and got caught inside, got washed off her boat as a big set came in, and the boat just flipped end over end, and I'm standing on the beach thinking, holy cow, this could be it. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a pretty sight. It's Not what this boat's supposed to do. But she made it in fine. She was a little rattled, as anyone would be. But... uh she and the boat were fine from that landing. Well, we we sat out that day. We we both sat in the <laughs> car in our wetsuits for the next hour, we're just watching the tide to see what it was doing. And it made it so uh, it, it 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 only got bigger. So that was yet another day we sat out in in Newport. But the next day was a beautiful, successful launch, and it was really really awesome to see her get back out
1: after a week of being held in
2: from really big swell and heavy winds.
1: Well, if I invite people to look at the web page. Um, Seattle2SanDiego.com. This is a remarkable woman, what she's doing, Uh, Margot Pellegrino. Uh, June, um, Margot wrote in her blog that uh, recently she saw whales, even one slapping its flukes. It was close enough, too, that I could swear I heard it singing. Also saw more dolphins and surprised some sea lions. It's the coolest thing to paddle around rocks and hear them barking. Is she encountering much wildlife? Yesterday,
2: particularly these two sea lions, they were really curious about her, and they kept coming closer and closer. And uh, <laughs> we both had a couple of encounters with sea lions. Or our, both of our responses have been to, to somehow command it or yell at it to go away. They've been a little more uh, comfortable with with us than, than than either one of us is really comfortable with. But yesterday, <laughs> particularly, they they were they were coming up and checking out her boat, and she started making all kinds of noise, whoa, 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 trying to get him to go away. She's got a, you know, she's she's heard a story of a guy in San Francisco who was paddling his outrigger, and a sea lion actually chomped onto his ama, which is the outrigger part, and uh, just, just kind of held on to it for a second. She really doesn't want to have that kind of experience. <laughs> but she came no. in yesterday with tales of of you know sea lions and and lots of puffins and 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 a whale, which is pretty cool.
1: That is very cool. The puffins were diving. Well, you don't know. You didn't see them. But that is fabulous. The different wildlife that she has a chance to see. I imagine yeah. the water is pretty clear, and so she sees the marine life underwater when she's coming ashore or heading out and stuff. Well,
2: uh, not really. I mean, no. when she's heading out, it's it's. I mean, it's it's pretty choppy, um, and she's going out through surf, so she doesn't see much down below. And she's she's driving pretty hard to get out past right. the break. Um, and even the even the the bars um, right at the river mouths where where she has to cross over to get out into the ocean. That's where it gets pretty roly poly and sometimes yeah. breaking. So she's got to you know she's she's moving pretty quickly. So
1: yeah, those bars yeah, are pretty scoured yeah. by the waves and everything.
2: Yeah, if not the by the kayaks
1: and canoes as well. <laughs> uh,
2: each day the biggest challenge is landing, uh, launching, and landing. You know those are the tricky spots. When she's out, well, things are usually fine. Um, and she's had and a that's of, because. The waves
1: become more steep when you're coming close to shore. The the waves get bigger or something.
2: Well, they do, and and typically, if the, if the swell is so much, the swell and the tide. If you don't coordinate them appropriately, they could be breaking, and that's that. It's not a surfing boat. No. The idea. No, nor is do you want have the waves surf breaking We like the boat. calm beach landings. <laughs> when I don't have to suit up, we're really happy. I don't have to put my wetsuit on and you know catch her basically when she comes in. That, that's a real nice day.
1: We're talking with June Bernard, and we'll be back after this break.
3: This is the Green Talk Network, helping to provide a sustainable future for us all.
0: dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. For decades, we've been made aware of environmental issues, such as climate change, overpopulation, and habitat destruction. How can we stay engaged and active in helping to prevent these issues from becoming insurmountable problems for our children and beyond? Tune in to the Earth Guardian. Each week, Sherilyn Viteze will cover the issues and discuss what is being done and how you can make a difference without too much effort to improve the quality of life for everyone on Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network.
3: Two views, different topics, questions, answers, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network.
0: Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. For listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, I'm talking
1: with June Bernard, who is the land crew. Margot Pellegrino's uh, voyage down the Pacific coast Margot has left Seattle Washington and is paddling in an outrigger canoe all the way to San Diego and I managed to to get in touch with them uh, at the gnarliest uh, shore uh, p- uh, point uh, in, in northern in California but it's in Northern California where this is happening and um, Margot's writes on her webpage that wherever she goes, well, I know that wherever she goes, she's very concerned about bettering the health of oceans. And she writes on her webpage, which is seattle 2 com, in trekking from Seattle to San Diego, I'm stopping in communities all along the coast to do what I can to highlight four critical ocean concerns. And the four critical ocean concerns that Margo is emphasizing on her voyage are, one, the impact of sewage, fertilizers, and stormwater runoff on the ocean. Two, the problem with plastics. Three, overfishing and unsustainable industrial fishing practices. Four, acidification of our oceans, which is being caused by the carbon being shoved in from the atmosphere into the oceans. Um, June, uh, what are you and Margo finding traveling the Pacific shores in regards to the degraded waterways and the impacts that are number one on Margo's um, four ocean concerns.
2: Well, Rob, in a lot of these harbors and marinas where we have Margo pull in and more for the night, uh, the algae growth is is pretty significant. I think the worst we saw was in Brookings, which is southern Oregon, and they've even got bubblers inside their harbor. Um, And I've got a bunch of photographs of these incredible. Just they, they look beautiful from 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 a physical standpoint, but you know that they're from a from from too much runoff from fertilizers and pesticides and and, and things that people put on their lawns and
1: uh,
2: even up. June, north, what what's a, a bubbler? We're
1: not sure what that means. I'm sorry. What's a bubbler? You're saying you're well, seeing bubblers?
2: It actually, right literally to keep the water moving. As soon as the water is still enough in these harbors. This, the, the algae blooms get a little out of control, which it is out of control. There, it's not even helping that much. So you're literally, you'll go out on a dock and you'll see a bunch of, you know, it looks like a jet kind of underneath. So the water yeah. is just bubbling over and and still moving in a few different spots oh. around the around this harbor. Yeah, and it's, it's really not doing uh, as much as it probably could to get this algae down. I mean, she had, to, she had so much algae caught in her rudder, uh, she had a little hard time um, getting out. Of her slip, that that day, and that was just last week. Um, and Gold Beach was not as bad, just north of Brookings, but kind of the same. You know, there's a, just a lot of algae growth, and and sewage plants. You know, they're, they're just not they're not being uh, kept up or or to, to manage the the growth on the coast. They're not being um, well. Let me think. What was it? The beach in um, Charleston, Coos Bay. We were thinking about doing a beach launch, e- even after she paddled in to the mouth of the river. She came over the bar, and we thought, well, oh, you know, we could just haul the boat over and do a nice beach launch. It seems like a mellow beach, and they said, oh, actually, it was closed because of fecal matter. And we oh my gosh! So that, like, God. The... so yeah, that one's definitely not going to launch there. We don't want to get in in the water if that's the case. I mean, and then the whole beach is closed. So the sewage treatment plants need to be upgraded and and, and make sure we don't have that going out into the ocean. It affects everybody, not just swimmers, but the health of of the wildlife, too.
1: We don't want Margot having to paddle in hazmat suits.
2: No. (laughs) No, her booties are stinky enough as it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what can people do about these impacts of too much nutrients flowing into ocean waters?
2: Start thinking about what you put on your lawns, even what you wash your car with. You know, make sure you don't let that stuff run down into the storm drains and, and out into the ocean at all. Oh, I mean all these rivers run to the sea and, and that's where that stuff goes. Start looking yes. at what's in your garage and what's under your sink. All of these chemicals that we put in things, they go out they have to go somewhere and typically they're not being you know, they're not being treated enough and or they're running out and into the ocean. And every little household has its impact. And if you get more people thinking about it, then you know the less impact we'll have, and possibly less algae growth. Uh, it's 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 something we can all do.
1: Yes. So you mean pollution is not? I mean dilution is not the solution to pollution.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, biodegradable is a much better way to go. I mean, it's small small steps, and everybody, if they take personal responsibility, adds up to a lot.
1: Yes. And and speaking of bio, the need for biodegradable, um, let's talk about the problem with plastics.
2: Yes, some of these places along here have so much plastic on the beach, and I'm not talking. I mean, there's big stuff definitely, and then tires and random things like that. But it's incredible to see the tiny little pieces, just little bitty. If you took a sifter and went through each beach, you would come up with an astronomical amount of plastics, nurdles, which is kind of what they make things out of tons yeah. of them everywhere and even up in cape blanco just near Bandon, in oregon it's a really really tough spot to get around it's one of the westernmost points in the whole on the in the lower 48 the beaches around cape blanco are just covered with tiny little bits of plastic and bigger ones too and there's a woman there angela who uh who's an artist and she's been an art administrator for 30 some years and Started a project only five months ago. She just couldn't take it anymore. She started picking up the plastic, and she started making art projects out of it. So she has these enormous art pieces of jellyfish and and uh, squid and sea turtles, and she's taking it on the road. She's actually in Newport right now for their first launch of this this art exhibit, and they're beautiful pieces. And it's, her program is called Washed Ashore, and. Uh, if you if you if you go to washashore.org, you can see some of these pieces. And once you actually get inside of them, you can walk inside these jellyfish, and you look at them. They're beautiful. They're all plastic bottles that have washed ashore, single-use plastic. And
1: that's great.
2: In only five months, in a five to ten-mile stretch around one small town in Oregon, they've gotten enough plastic to do this much work with. It's it's pretty astounding. And what the it's it, it, it's something that I think will catch on in a lot of places. I mean, already the people who've come through and checked it out are going to start things in their own, in back in, in their own backyard. You know, back in you know New Jersey, Margo is going to start something for there for sure. She's going to work with Cub Scouts for their son, and you know, it, it, it's 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 a, it's one small way we can turn something into this plastic bits into something beautiful and have a lasting impact and make people think about where this stuff goes. And it's not just here on the coast it comes from again the rivers all run to the sea stuff all washes out if you think about the pacific gyre which is way out in the middle I mean, there are debates about how how big it actually is but it's enormous uh that stuff doesn't go away it just floats out to sea and there we have it you've got all these little zooplankton and, 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 that are, that are eating and uh the parts from anyway no there there's lots of plastic out there and it's really it's getting into the food chain which is causing a problem for the fish, and ultimately, which we eat, comes down to us. It's it's, it's another insidious problem.
1: Hmm. What what can uh, pe- do? People have to go to the Oregon shore or the California shore to address the plastic problem in the ocean, or can they do something no, more locally?
2: You can do it on on your roadside, on your riverbanks, and I mean anywhere, anywhere. Just keep the plastics uh, off. You know. I mean, uh, Pick up any plastic when you see it, really. I mean, walking around yeah. behind Margo, she's picking up plastic everywhere she goes, whether it's downtown Portland, downtown Seattle, or on the shores of the Pacific. It's it's a really beautiful thing to watch. She picks up plastic everywhere she goes. If she sees it, she picks it up and throws it away. And then you have, you know, your, your hand sanitizer for when you get to the car. But, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's 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 something. It's it's a nice habit, and I've, I've, I've started doing it myself. It's it's infectious because it is. It's not just an eyesore. It's 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 kind of a problem for for everybody, not just our health, but health of the other creatures.
1: Yeah, it's really important to pick up a to prevent to prevent a piece of plastic from going into the ocean because you have an opportunity to stop it. But if you don't, it's going right. to be out there for fifty, a hundred years, and right. um and causing you know some damages. Right. So, uh, such a small action can make a big difference in the in the big scheme of things. Who knew? And
2: that's exactly right, Rob. I mean, it's just these little things, like not using um, soaps and and things that, and fertilizers that that are going to degrade the waterways, and, and and picking up plastic. I mean, just, these are just basic household things. Just make sure you pick up after yourself and don't use anything that's going to harm, you know, anybody down the river or down at, you know, down into
1: the ocean. Yeah, people the, come to the Ocean River Institute and ask us, you know, what can they do to make a difference and how can they find out the best things to do? And i suggest they talk to the children because the children are closer to the ground and are more noticing mm-hmm. what kind of things are seeping into the waterways and, and have pretty creative ideas of, well, they're more shocked, they're more upset when they see, you know, what we've got grown accustomed to of stuff just getting into the water. Right.
2: And, and I bet Margo is, of- is,
1: she's got her hands in the water. I mean, she's Not quite nose to water, but she's certainly, you know, she's sitting on the water, and and she's right there. You couldn't be more immediate to the ocean environment.
2: Very true. And we're actually a project of the Blue Frontier Campaign, um, David Helfark's organization. Um, And he has written a book called 50 Ways to Save the Ocean. And it's a a great read, you know, and and they're just little chapters with, with examples of what everyday people can do to do their part. And, uh, Absolutely. That's definitely a place to go if you if, if you if you really want to do little things or take action.
1: It's a great resource. We'll be right back after this break, talking about paddling in the Pacific Ocean.
3: Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures. Today and tomorrow, the Green Talk Network. Spread the green.
0: Dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science.
3: Ready to lift your spirit? Join Karen Tatanich every week for Spirit Connections. Karen will share with you the power of energy work, it can get you through the good times and the tough times. Karen will bring together stories of hope and good news based on her work with all aspects of energy. There are people and companies out there that are bringing joy to our planet. You'll learn about the power of spirit at home, at work, and at play. Spirit Connections is broadcast live Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. It's football, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready for The Game Plan with Anthony Heron, a.k.a. Big Ant. Anthony has a background in college and professional football and brings the player, coach, and broadcaster perspective to this weekly roundup of the top sports news and events. Big Ant wants to hear from you, too. Tune in to The Game Plan with Anthony Heron every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, time on the Voice America Sports Channel. It's game time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. Listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking today about
1: a remarkable woman. Margo Pellegrino, who is paddling an outrigger canoe solo from Seattle, Washington, to San Diego, California, and she is right now rounding the most gnarly spots of Northern California. And so she's unable to be on the phone with me, but with me is June Bernard, who is a one-person land crew that um, had to scramble away from the ocean to get cell phone reception, barely made it here, and is uh, probably going to slam down the phone and go running back to greet or to check out on, on Margo's passages along the shoreline there. Uh, June, we were talking about some of the problems of that oceans are dealing with, and these are really the reasons for um, Margo's voyage is to bring attention to the assaults on ocean of uh, nutrient loading we talked about and... Um, uh, the plastics effects, and and I see in her blog that Margot, her blog can be read um, daily at uh, Seattle two the number two San Diego dot com. Um, so Margot's been noticing um, some erosion happening, and it's a bit more than she expected. Is that correct?
2: It is correct. And what what's happening is that, especially along the Oregon coastline, the the only places for her to launch and land each day are in the mouth of these rivers. And the bar closures and the restrictions have been a particularly challenging. And what happens when they don't get a chance to dredge or when they just don't dredge their 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 the river mouths, the river yes. then you have a lot more restrictions and closures. You've got, you know, too much chop. You can't actually cross over. It's too hazardous. And what we're seeing is clear cut after clear cut. These scars all along the landscape, all up and down the Washington and Oregon coast, and uh, it's definitely having, a, having an impact on on everybody. It's not just the bar closures, and it runs into you know the salmon not wanting to come up the river anymore, even the mouth of the matoll, which California has a lot stricter logging practices but, uh, logging um, regulations. But still, the, the mouth of the matoll is pretty much closed. It's really underwater, and the salmon can't
1: come up. And it, it, well, there's so much sediment from washout that it fills up the bar so the salmon cannot cross it.
2: Exactly, exactly. And it makes it too hazardous for fishermen to go out for, for, for anyone to cross over, you know, recreationally or not. And her, her little 21-foot boat is definitely one of them. We've, we've gone to, the, to launch on quite a few occasions to call the Coast Guard, check on the bar conditions, and it looks like the water is fine, but the, the bar itself, whether it's, you know, the tide, uh, the timing of the tide or, or just the conditions at the bar, we, we, we can't launch or, or we can't land. Which is a serious yes. issue, the idea that she's out there and can't come in is really not a, <laughs> really not okay no <laughs> she has no stowage there's no she can't stay out late on a boat like that in the afternoon. the winds kick up and she gets blown down shore too it's, it's, you know so it's it's not just at the time of launch, it's considering what the tide's going to be doing and what the bar is going to be doing when she's trying to land and a lot of that has to do with with the sediment that's washing out and it's impacting uh the conditions of the bar
1: Oh my gosh. So a couple of days ago, she was writing that she ended up doing two days in one because I guess she couldn't land in the middle.
2: Well, it's just easier to to, to leapfrog if we if we have to. It was it, you know if, yeah. if we can double up on da, on days. We've we, because we had so many days out sitting in Oregon waiting for thing waiting for things to settle down for bar conditions to be right and the winds not to kick up. Um, we try and double up on days to make up some of that time. She's got to get home or. Her daughter's starting kindergarten this year, and she doesn't want to miss it. So, yeah, we had a. She had a long day, about a fifty-six mile day the other day, uh, from Crescent City to Eureka, and that was. Wow. That's, that's a that's a slog. That's a long one. Yeah. The winds up a bit. That was and, like
1: twelve uh, hours or more.
2: Yeah, it w- it was just shy of twelve hours, and that's <laughs> that's a lot of paddling. <laughs> I can't tell you how strong this woman is.
1: So it sounds like part of the secret to her strength is that she's a a parent. You mentioned she has a daughter who's starting kindergarten.
2: Yes, she's got two beautiful children who are actually here trying to meet us now. (laughs) And it just happened to be in the the most remote stretch. So they'll get to see some really beautiful stuff, but they didn't get to see their mom yesterday. They flew into San Francisco. She's got a little 5-year-old named Julia and an 8-year-old named Billy. And her husband, Carl, flew out with them yesterday, and uh, they're trying to find us on the coast. We're hoping to meet up with them in Shelter Cove today. But, yeah, Margo's a stay-at-home mom who doesn't do a good job of staying at home. That's her her mantra. (laughs) Her her son loves salmon. He doesn't like chicken, and she wants to make sure there's enough salmon that are healthy enough to eat, um, you know, for his generation, for their generation. She figured that she couldn't couldn't just talk about these problems. She had to do something about it. And, boy, is she doing something. (laughs) She's already paddled from Miami to Maine, and just north of Miami to New Orleans, and now this paddle, the Seattle to San Diego voyage, and just stopping in communities all along the way, and talking to everyone and anyone who will listen, whether it's the newspaper or the radio or, or television, or just the, pe- the the local community, different activists, different paddling clubs, people people in the marina, just who are curious about this woman paddling this funny-looking boat, with all salt all over her wetsuit, coming into the to the harbor. They're scratching their head, What is this? What are you doing? Or when we do beach landings, that's even better. They're like, Why? Why? If there's a woman running in a wetsuit and then there's another woman on a boat coming in. <laughs> what are these two up to? It's a it's, it's a very curious effort and our little Ford Transit Connect van. It's got Ford advertising all over it and then it's got all our all the different people who've donated gear and they see us and they say, What are you guys doing? What is this? And we get a chance to bend their ear. And the and everyone across the board actually has has something to say about it and listens. Um, yeah I know a lot of the fishermen have have felt felt like they're taking the brunt of blame for things like plastics and and over overfishing and that's that 's just not the case when we when we had a chance to actually talk to them, we agree that these small commercial fishermen along this coast are struggling and they 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 think that what she 's doing is just as awesome it's been it's this response from every community along the way has been really fabulous
1: really supportive that's great incredibly supportive because Margo's bringing it, you and Margo are bringing attention to local situations that otherwise only the locals know about.
2: Yes, and it's incredibly inspiring to see this woman who has two beautiful children. She's taking a few months out each year to just rally support, to do her part, and she's an incredible endurance athlete, so that, that's her gift. And, you know, she's not a scientist. She, she can't give you hard facts and hard numbers, but she can paddle and paddle, paddle, and she can see what's happening all along the way. And she's seen similar things on each of the coastlines with the degraded waterways and the plastics, all of these things all along the way. And if she if she can show up on somebody's shore and say, hey, you know what, I've seen this stuff in person, it has a lasting impact. And a lot of people along the way are following us. There are different newspapers that, that are that keep on her story, not just... One day passing through, come and gone. They they call us every week to find out how she's doing and and what her progress is. The Coast Guard as well. They're very curious about how 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 long, you know how long her paddles are and how she's made it. And everybody likes to hear about these things along the way. And it's it's an incredible gift and motivating for everyone. You know, if this woman can paddle this far and this incredibly scary coastline, then you know doing small things like picking up plastic and and changing a few habits around your house so you don't you know have things washing out into the ocean that are going to harm it that's that's nothing compared to what she's doing so it's 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 a great thing to be a part of I'm I'm flattered and honored that I was asked to do this and there's no place I'd rather be I tell you what
1: No but it is remarkable that one woman has paddled the Atlantic coast the Gulf of Mexico and now the Pacific coast and what she, in doing so, she legitimates that it, this is a problem of all coasts, That that's one ocean, and the problem, you can't just dismiss it as saying, oh, that's a California problem, or that's a Georgia's Banks problem, or that's a Gulf of Mexico problem. Instead, it's like, no, the problem's going to be at all oceans, and so the solutions have to start wherever you are. You have to be thinking about how all systems are interrelated and connected, and that, you know, if you let Stuff that you don't want to eat yourself go into waterways, it's gonna end up in the ocean. And it don't leave the ocean, so it's just gonna, you know, magnify out there.
2: One of the things Margot says repeatedly to everyone who will listen is that there's nobody who's gonna bail out the ocean. These large companies gotten some bailouts, but who's gonna bail out the ocean? So she's doing her best to get everybody thinking about it in that term, you know, in those terms. You know, we Yes. Together if we can all do something, we can we can possibly turn these things around and she doesn't. You know these different points that she's trying to make. They are hardly depressing. She doesn't want everybody to go away feeling like, oh no, there's nothing we can do. More importantly, it's like, wow, now that we have our attention on these things, we can actually do something about it.
1: Yes, and Margot has on her webpage uh, things that you can do to connect you with resources. Uh, in the in the last quarter of the hour, we're going to be talking with Ocean Champions, and Margaret and Margot has been very active with Ocean Champions in helping. Uh, ocean, you know, Ocean Champions get legislation through Washington that will better oceans in different forms and, and formats. And uh, there's just so much to do that uh, there are, are many opportunities, legislative opportunities, to do you know, address red tide or address uh, better ocean management or setting up a national endowment for the oceans and so forth. So it, it's it's marvelous to have both of the advocates working in Washington. And then the paddler, the athlete, you know, bring, making it real by being in the coast right there, you know, in the waves, saying, "Here's the real situation." Uh, it's it's just been fabulous to learn more about uh, Margot's expedition, uh, June. Um, so, so what's on the horizon for Margot going forward? Well,
2: from here. Shelter Cove, it's a beautiful little nook halfway between, uh, well, it's the the midpoint of the Lost Coast. And then after that, we've talked about this just this morning, we were looking at the charts, thinking maybe we could actually double up another day um, and get to Fort Bragg tomorrow. It'll be a little bit of a slog. Um, We're going to look at it a little more closely once we get to Shelter Cove and hopefully have service so we can uh, check things out on Google Earth. It's a good way to see how, how far we actually would be going. But um, it's a beautiful stretch of coastline. It's, it's, this is my favorite spot. It's, it, it, it's remote. You've got the King Range. as a beautiful backdrop. You've got gorgeous beaches. It's, I mean, the whole, the whole Pacific Coast is really magic. But this one is particularly challenging to get to this stretch. I mean, they don't call it the Lost Coast for nothing. And so she's going to see some really, really nice stuff along this stretch. And this Cape this, Mendocino yesterday and Punta Gorda this morning, these are the last two big hurdles. The last two That's really gnarly points. There are still Do some not have to interrupt. We'll be right back after this break.
1: The green Talk Network is here.
0: Spread the green. All together. dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. When planning for the future, we need to look at all the facets, environmental, humanitarian, and social. There are so many challenges that we face in keeping everything straight and environmentally sound. That's where The Deliberacy, taking deliberate actions to benefit all, comes in. Join your host, author Christopher Eldridge, every weekend for a look at the missing cornerstone that is lacking in the solutions to the challenges we face every day. Listen Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. Listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi,
1: I've been talking with June Bernard, who is the land crew for Margot Pellegrino, who is uh, canoeing in an outrigger canoe from Seattle to San Diego.com is her website. And she uh, hopes to get there by the mid-September. And along the way, we're learning about ocean, improving ocean health and how to address that and stopping and talking in with community members all along the way who, as, as June was saying, has been the community has been very supportive of Margot's expedition. And yet, as she was concluding just now, is that there are many obstacles that she still must surmount before um, completing the voyage. I want to turn now to our Ocean Champions moment. Mike Dunmeyer is unable to be on the phone with us today, which is fortunate because we get to talk to Chris Laughlin.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, how, how are you?
4: I'm doing great. Thanks, Rob, and thanks for having me on your show today.
1: Well, it's it's great to... Um, it kind of adds to the symmetry. You're out in uh, Capitola, California, and um, and also you're a surfer, so uh, you can relate perhaps to what uh, June has been saying about Margo trying to get out over the bar and stuff?
4: Oh, absolutely, and before I dig in on that. I just wanted to say that it was incredible to hear about Margo's adventures and you know we're very supportive of her journey and her mission for ocean protection and ocean health and we're looking forward to hosting her here in Santa Cruz when she arrives later this month.
1: Well that's right, she'll be going right down your shoreline there. You can stand on the beach and wave.
4: Yes, yes (laughs) and um, yes living here on the west coast is incredible and working for ocean champions is a dream really um, our, our West Coast headquarters is located in Capitola, California, and as a surfer, one of the perks to living and working here is the surf. We have just about every type of surf break anyone could wish for along this stretch of Central Californian coastline.
1: That's great. Um, and and how do you, and and wh- tell us about your your work for Ocean Champions.
4: Well, I work with an incredible team, and um, it's been very busy up until, let's see, the August recess started, and so, as you know, members of Congress are in recess right now, but before that, there was quite a bit happening. Um, The Consolidated Land, Energy, and Aquatic Resources Act, or otherwise known as the CLEAR Act, um, was sponsored by Ocean Champion and Chairman Nick Rahal. That passed the House of Representatives. And um, it's incredible, it improves the way we manage and protect our oceans, and it establishes the nation's first Ocean Conservation Fund, which has the potential to direct hundreds of millions annually for ocean conservation projects. And so what's happening... Um,
1: We've had a National Endowment for the Arts, which has helped to support artists. Now we have a National Endowment for the Oceans that'll help conserve oceans.
4: Yes, that's right. Um, Senator Whitehouse, an ocean champion, along with Senator Snow, also an ocean champion, has introduced a bill to create a national endowment for the oceans. It's similar to the Ocean Conservation Fund in the CLEAR Act, um, and together they represent the first-ever national funds for ocean conservation. So it's very exciting.
1: Well, you're good. I was mixing up... You were telling me about the House passing legislation, and I left over to the uh, Senate and you were good to put those two together so both uh, parties of, of both legs of government are advancing uh, better ocean management
4: yes yeah.
1: and now it, it is recess but uh, you know I'm working hard with uh, ocean champions up here in Boston to have a, uh, a fundraiser for uh, Congressman Paul Hodes who's running for New Hampshire Senate who's been endorsed by uh, ocean champions, and um, you've been working. You are working hard on uh, an upcoming event in September. Tell us a bit about that event.
4: Sure, I would love to. Our annual event is coming up on September twenty-first, and it's held at this Noma restaurant in Washington D.C. It's a reception that we host each year to recognize and honor members of Congress working to protect our oceans. It's incredible because it brings together ocean philanthropists, leaders in the ocean conservation community, and activists from around the country. Um, It's a great opportunity to build relationships with key congressional leaders and their staff, members of the ocean community. Um, Really an event not to be missed.
1: No, it really is, and I, I look forward to it every year, and it's just fabulous the quality time we get with our legislators you know and you learn things that you don't read about in the media like nick rayhall is the chair of the natural resources committee uh, and he's from west virginia so you'd think that uh you know it's a long way from the ocean but it turns out when he was in college he was a one design sailboat racer and so he's pretty able to to handle a craft at sea and um things like that you know just kind of make more interesting when you're reading the paper, the day-to-day slogging of the legislative sausage-making they have to do. It's <laughs> neat to see the other side of the uh, politicians, be it Lois Capps or um, uh, Kathy Castor or, or Connie Mack or, um, or some of the senators
4: as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's been incredible. You know, the last two years we've had such a great attendance with members of Congress and... Um, people in the ocean community and and in fact actually um, some of the members of Congress had to rework their schedules so that they could attend the event and we were just really honored. Um, I'd like to just point out that if anyone wants to learn more about the event or Ocean Champions, our website is www.oceanchampions.org.
1: Yes, it's a fabulous website. You can go there to learn about um, who are the legislators that are doing good things for the oceans and uh, what they are doing. There's so many, you know, ocean improving the oceans usually involves amendments to other bills and, and little things here and there. And so that's what Chris spends a lot of her time working with the people of Ocean Champions is figuring out all these little pieces and communicating ahead of time with the legislators to find out, and mostly their legislative aides, who really are the uh, the workers of it have you had a chance to meet individual legislative aides
4: yes um, mostly uh on the phone cuz i'm yes. here based in capitola but um, i do come out for the annual event each year and it's really an incredible opportunity to meet a lot of them face to face and um, very much looking forward to it this year
1: yeah the telephone is just fabulous i've had been, had the fortune to talk with Congressman Edward Markey's legislative aides, and he's got the, tri- the AAAS, the American Academy for the Advancement of Sciences PhD fellow as one of his um, aides, uh, legislative aides, along with five other PhD people in his office. So it's just the brain power that I have access to when I'm talking with um, those legislative aides is just phenomenal. And in that case, they were um, analyzing the dispersant chemical that was being put on the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. and they were informing the EPA about here are some other choices for dispersants that they could require you know a group to use um, so uh, if we yeah we just want to get the word out about um, you know this uh, gathering in Washington on is it a Tuesday what's the date and, day and date?
4: It's uh, Tuesday, September 21st, and it'll be um, <clears throat> excuse me starting at 5 o'clock. So it'll be 5 to 8 p.m., and um, we had our first announcement come out about the event, uh, I believe it was last week. We have another one coming out in a couple of weeks. And um, like I mentioned, Great. June, I have or... to interrupt
1: because we're out of time. And June, I want to thank you for telling us about um, Margo Pellegrino's trip. Thank, thank you, Thank for
4: having
1: me, Rob. And, Chris, thanks for talking about Ocean Champions.
4: Yes, thanks for having me, Rob.
1: Until next time, this is Ocean River Shields of Achilles.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Talk Network. We'll talk again then.
3: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio.